That's what we do. We gossip. We're, we're the view. We're the lacrosse view. You gotta yell like you're at a Queen concert or something. Perfect. Well, welcome everyone to episode number three of Rippin' Shots Lax Cast. We are honored to have a lacrosse legend with us today. Big Mac, Shawnee Mac, Sean McCarthy. Sean is the uh, head coach at East High School, played at Hofstra, grew up on Long Island, played with the Outlaws. Uh, one of the original Flids. I don't know if uh, we want to get into what that's about. but uh, Is this a roast or an interview? A uh, little, little bit of both here, a little bit. A little Comedy Central roast uh, part interview. But, uh, but uh, appreciate you being out here. Wanted to kind of talk to you a little bit about uh, your experiences in, in lacrosse and get into uh, a little bit about East and what you have going on there. But um, growing up on Long Island, was it always a goal of yours to play at Hofstra? Were you looking at other schools? Or, or tell us a little bit about your experience. Quite honestly, I had a different journey than a lot of kids kind of have. I mean, I grew up, obviously, playing a lot of lacrosse. I grew up watching Hofstra lacrosse. I was not directly recruited at a high school. I was, uh, before before my trials at, at for Division One lacrosse, I, was, uh, I played at Nassau Community College. And I, honestly, from there, my plan was to just become a good student athlete, you know, potentially go to, I was looking at Ohio Wesleyan and Eastern Connecticut State University. I was looking at those type of schools, but I had, you know, a good coach and George Powers, who's now the current head coach there now, and made me believe that I had potential to play, you know, play higher level. And it wasn't until being really coached well that I started, you know, thinking about transferring, you know, Division One lacrosse out of the JUCA system. Well, that definitely is a... Um, a little bit different journey than everyone gets uh, today, where now you got to commit in eighth grade or, or ninth grade, and then you're you're kind of set from there. That really shows a lot of dedication and perseverance um, on your part, for sure. Back when you were in high school, did you play any other sports, or was it lacrosse only, or, or where was your focus? No, you know it. I, I mean, I played lacrosse and baseball till I was in eighth grade. I played football starting in seventh grade all the way to my senior year of high school. Uh, res- wrestled for a little bit, you know, dropped that to to pretty much train for football. I was kind of one of those guys. I think I was like you. I was <laughs> a flid. I was a Long Island guy where, you know, getting into the weight room and, and getting the body looking looking good mattered. And, you know, you, you wanted to be able to destroy guys on the football field. So You had Matt's poster growing up, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, you got to be uh, looking good when you're out there at Robert Moses Beach 5 and uh, – Checking out those girls from Oyster Bay, uh, you got to make sure uh, you're bringing it there when you're down uh, uh, getting a uh, an egg sandwich down at the deli. But I, I will say this: I think I think there's been a big shift, right, in just that where you know, 10 years ago, and even just you know, 10, 20 years ago, people didn't think about, oh, I need to play year round. It's you just you did what you wanted to do, and I, you know, in a lot of ways that. That was better in a lot of ways. Now, uh, so you played, uh, what, a little hot corner uh, there in, in baseball? And in addition to your amateur wrestling career? or uh, uh, what, what, what was your baseball career like there? What what I, I, what kind of took the uh, the glove out of your hand? Honestly, I, was, I, I would uh, say that I was a pretty fine fielder. I played a lot of center field, a little bit of the interior infield, uh-huh. shortstop and, and third. But uh, once I th- saw a real curveball, that was pretty much the end of my baseball career. <laughs> you still have a little softball in your resume. Yeah, I'll let Nick tell you about that. Yeah, yeah he, he's, he's, he's got a C on his chest for a reason out there. When, when you got to, to Hofstra, um, what was it like in terms of training? Now kids that uh, are D1 schools are 6 in the morning, they're lifting, they're going to practice, they're going straight to school. Were you guys doing a lot of that lifting, yoga, conditioning that uh, that you're seeing like DU and a bunch of other schools do now? So John Donowski was was my head coach at Hofstra University, and he was actually a yoga guy. So he actually did a lot of things 
that you see that are really common now, like with Pete Carroll, like, you know, I guess holistic type approaches with um, kind of sports psychology and yoga was a part of that. We did not do a lot of really early AM stuff, but, there, you know, we did the fall program did was was two, two to three days a week of, you know, weight training and, and you know, getting yourself physically ready to play in the spring. Um, but one, one of the things that, that I really liked that he did that, you know, I don't know how common was we did a lot of our lacrosse training was actually in the middle of the day. So you had to, you know, kind of change your academic schedule to be able to practice, you know, let, we pretty much practice from 11 to one o'clock, which I always kind of liked. And as far as an early morning stuff, that was more of a, uh, negative reinforcer <laughs> that's when he would use the the five six a.m workouts so as long as Donowski was able to get you guys into those geology uh rocks for jocks classes uh, everything worked out okay so um i actually got an a in geology <laughs> exactly is that a flint rock what is that over there um and then uh, then you graduated hofstra and did you get picked up from the outlaws before coming out here to colorado or, or came out to colorado first or what happened uh, next Brian Reese, who was the current general manager uh, of the Outlaws at the time, g gave me a call shortly after. Uh, it was, you know, it was, it was actually shortly after we had lost in the uh, the quarterfinals of the NCAA championship game, which I don't like to talk about because you know Jordan Hendry's sitting across from me over here. I got drafted by the Outlaws straight out of college, and you know took the first plane out to Denver, and we were playing. Uh, I think we were playing the Chesapeake team over here at Mile High Stadium, you know, like a, a week later. And I didn't get to suit for that game, but, it, you know, just to come, it was my first time, you know, coming out and seeing Denver. I, I do, I, I do got to mention this because, you know, at the time, John Barocas uh, was the recruiting coordinator for the Denver Outlaws. And he, he was kind of, you know, I had played lacrosse with his son at Hofstra for, for a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, well, I, I should say I actually came out to, to the Vail tournament a few years earlier. And, right. he, you know, it was a large part of my relationship with him and him being kind of a mentor of mine that kind of got me connected with Colorado and, and playing lacrosse for the Outlaws. Go fast. Go, team Go Fast, yeah. That, that was a legendary team. You guys, uh, who else was on that uh, that team up in Vail? You got uh, uh, a lot of UMass guys, but uh -huh. you, you know, it's it's worth noting. You know, it's it's interesting how you get, you, you know you're you are resentful and kind of like you know you biting your tongue about those guys, and then then you meet good guys. You know, Jack Avita, Doc Schneider, one of the classiest individuals I've I've ever met, and obviously a phenomenal lacrosse player. So when you were at Hofstra, was that when they uh, they dropped football, or was it right uh, uh, after that, or what 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 happened there? Um, yeah, that that uh, that happened about two years later is when they officially dropped football. So they, yeah, they had two more var well varsity seasons of one double A, and um, yeah, and also note yeah Marcus Colson. I did I did uh, know know that guy a little bit while I was at Hofstra, and actually we were in the same graduating class. So at least I got to walk out with the, you know one of the last Hofstra football yeah. greats as well. Definitely, they didn't try to uh, get you on the uh, the football field out there, uh, run a couple uh, post patterns. Uh. No, they did not. <laughs> I wasn't. Too, I wasn't too bad. I don't think I had the, the the you know top to bottom speed. I could move laterally well always, and I like the physicality of football. But you know, forty times, and I was never never sub four or five or anything like that. No, no, they they definitely had a uh, uh, an interesting program. But now that they've focused all their uh, resources into uh, lacrosse, um, I don't know why 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 they don't go a little bit further than they should. They seem to have a lot of talent, but they can't just bring it together. Then you went out to the uh, the Outlaws. So how many years were you uh, with the Outlaws? I was with the Outlaws for seven seasons. And, uh, yeah, it's, I had two good full seasons where I was 
really, really active on the roster. And then, you know, th- about three or four seasons where I was kind of getting spot treatment, or as I like to say, kind of like I was a utility defenseman. They'd kind of bring me, you know, matchup-wise. A lot of that was kind of predicated on matchups. And, you know, if I'm being honest, I, I was definitely one of those guys because I was competitive and, and still healthy and physically, you know, in my prime or, you know, close to it. There was a lot of times. I mean, it was it was it was tough at times because you know, like I, I I wanted to be a continual staple and get out there all the time. And obviously, you know, you don't always see eye to eye with with management and those sort of things. But it was it was seven good seasons and uh, it was awesome. I mean, that's a that's a real challenge to be able to, you know, keep yourself in that peak physical condition and not sure, you know, if you're going to dress or not dress or or what. And and managing a job and and everything else there. I mean, how did you swing that? keeping true to the regiment and really, you know, getting physically doing it. I think towards the end of my career, that's ultimately what happened, right? It's just, you know, when you're 22 and then you're 28, it's like Mm. to do the same thing training wise and to keep yourself at that level is not easy to do. But, you know, at a a school, it was easy because, you know, uh, honestly, there was also a lot of guys like Casey Zidadino was living out in Denver. I guess, you know, the Bocklets were here. Schwartzman was here. A lot of the guys were that you can kind of train with that were kind of in the on the team. It, that made it a lot easier. Matty Bocklet, he's one of like the hardest working kids that I've ever met. Like he's just one of those guys that like he sticks to it, and that's that's what it is. I think that's the, the toughest part about that league, and that's why you don't see a lot of retention after two three years. Like you'll see a big name, and then that guy will disappear, and usually that's that that's the result of it. Is like people, you know, people can't maintain. It's one thing when you're in, you know, you're a college athlete and you got guys barking over you, but does the cash flow warrant the maintenance? You know, you know the answer to that question. <laughs> it's it's cash flow abs- or lack of cash flow. Yeah, exactly. You you know the answer to that question, but you know, with with that, you know, what I've always liked about it is number one, just I think most lacrosse coaches, right, and lacrosse programs, like the the, the guys that are coming out of the right are coming out and playing, like uh, they don't really have financial concerns, right? Like th- those guys are, are set and, and have made good decisions and are, get into good careers. So I think it's I think it's manageable. The biggest challenge. Uh, you know, I think of someone like Brendan Mundorf, who was on the Outlaws, and he did it for like a, six years in the Outlaws. And, you know, he had a business, you know, he had a family business back in Baltimore, and and he's playing for the Outlaws. So that guy, you know, he's flying. Every every game is an away game, and, and guys move out. I mean, I, I moved out really just to have an opportunity to explore a new city and, and try life outside of, uh, you know... <laughs> So shunny, the yeah, exactly. Yeah, say, well said, yeah. <laughs> off, the, off the island and all the beautiful people out there. And six ninety five for sure. But, but I think you make a great point about it being such a grind where um, every weekend, every single weekend, you're out of town, and it really takes up a lot. And if you're um, right out of college, juggling a new job and and something like that, it's uh, it's a challenge for sure. Want to take a uh, want to take some time to uh, to thank our uh, our sponsor Xaro Sports and Score Break. Uh, if you haven't checked out Xaro Sports, definitely go to their uh, website xarosports.com and check it out. It's uh, something that that you really need to uh, learn about if you want to be uh, a dedicated and and a college lacrosse player, boys and girls. Any good coach will tell you that the way to improve is through hard work and. Uh, what I've found out is for, for players and parents that you often don't know what to do. And this is uh, something that kind of solves the problems. It takes a technology used by NFL, the uh, Major League Baseball, and it kind of walks you through a step-by-step process uh, wherever you're at. If, you, if you're a beginner, if you're middle of the road, if, if you're a little bit more advanced, it kind of picks you up from where you are and takes you where you want to go. They give you a weekly practice plan uh, with videos, explanations, diagrams. Uh, they get they send you messages from from their their 
top-notch staff there on, on what you need to be working on. You upload videos to them at, at where you're at, and it's a, a real interactive process with the use of, uh, use of some technology that, that can really bring your game along. Hey, Mac, so tell me, you've had eyes on this score break thing. What do you think of it? I think it's awesome. I think the bottom line, you're talking about data. It's given you valid, concrete, and easily visible data, data that's shareable with your players, your team, your, you know, your family, whoever wants access to it. It's shareable. And yeah, I mean, what, what better way? How important is game film to East? I mean, we use it uh, d during the regular season. We're obviously we're using it, you know, game to game, and you know, on, on a week, uh, almost a daily basis, to, you know, evaluate and also improve. And do you think it's important for these kids to be reviewing their shots on their own, kind of taking film into their own hands a bit, or do you think it needs to be something that's a lot more structured and from the coach only? I think it's I think it's a two I think it's two way a two way street there. I think there's there's obviously right, right there's some validity to having someone overseeing you and and being able to you know it's a teachable moment. But for the most part, even that just the kind of the casual setting for a kid to easily access himself and say, oh you know I remember that moment in that game, or I remember that you know whether it be a ground ball, a shot, a defensive sequence, and being able to just easily easily go back to that and and review it and catch you know a mistake or something you did well. Um, invaluable. So for those that don't know, what Scorebreak does is it allows you to take your game stats extremely easily. You can either make them your official statistics or you can just take addi an additional set of statistics, kind of like if you watched the game film afterwards and took stats. The difference here is that the stats are being taken live during the game. And uh, what's really cool about this is it breaks down your game film instantly automatically we're talking you can look at your game film at halftime if you'd like to or on the bus immediately following an away game so uh google scorebreak s-c-o-r-e-b-r-e-a-k or check out scorebreak.io online or uh, you can find them in uh, the apple app store as well Welcome back to the second half of Rippin' Shots Laxcast. We're here with lacrosse legend Sean McCarthy and Jordan Henry, a lacrosse legend in his own mind. Um, guys, wanted to talk a little bit about Colorado High School lacrosse. This is the time of year where we're seeing some job openings. We're we're, we're seeing those eighth graders that uh, that were verbaling to schools. Now they've uh, they've they've got their class schedule. They're inked. We can uh, talk about them without uh, chassa repercussions out there. Um, couple couple job openings. Uh, we we've got Rock Canyon, uh, Boulder, Conifer, Evergreen, Windsor. Um, Palmer, uh, what else am I uh, leaving out? That's impressive that you knew that many. <laughs> I, 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 I do a little bit of work here, so you know. Yeah, no, well, well done right there. Um, but I definitely mean, uh, some interesting ones on the five A and 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 four A uh, Specter. Um, I don't know any any thoughts on on uh, on what uh, what's a what's a better job out there? Where you see uh, some potential for uh, uh, for a big name hire and and someone that could hit the ground running uh, at these programs. No, I mean you. You said it. I, I think there's obviously the most potential with with Rock Canyon, and that's just with the talent level that they've had in the past couple of years. And then you're also just looking at there's a lot being in Douglas County. You, you just kind of have your pick of the litter in, in, in a lot of respects. And then you know with a school like that, there's also funds. So so Rock Canyon, I think I think you're right. They have uh, a ton of talent. They have numbers. Um, they're they're really. Uh, 
it's kind of a school that doesn't have a direction with sports. I think lacrosse is one of their flagship sports down there. I'm always just amazed, though, uh, of the competition down in, in Douglas County, like you said. I mean, you've got Vista, which has become a machine. Um, Highlands Ranch is really starting to turn it on. They've got some D1 commits down there. Castleview always uh, seems to be in the middle of the pack there, and they always upset someone uh, from year to year. Legend uh, Q out there is 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 got a couple kids that are going to college. Chaparral, I mean, it's a pretty crowded landscape down there yeah and that's you know that that also makes it appealing because you feel like if with a with the right name or the right person and the right staff that you can have an influence on that and and I guess you know we got to be careful always talking about that the r word here and you know with chassa the recruiting word right. and that's uh you know you always got to be careful with that but that's that's all it takes right all it takes is a name uh, and a and a you know the right season to just start having those kids oh maybe I'm on the fence about going to chaparral and you know no I'm gonna go to Rock Canyon and play under that guy um you know Boulder also sounds appealing to me I, I I've always just felt like just th- there's there's definitely a talent there and um you know there's obviously a smaller population so in Boulder you have a good there's good feeder pro- pro- programs in there and then but you you know a smaller school school smaller amount of schools for kids to pick pick from so i mean that's a a unique situation you know for you to be in and they've the bottom line they've had you know good lacrosse uh, uh, excuse me good lacrosse players the last couple years well there is definitely uh they they have one of the more established uh uh, youth programs in the state, actually. So they have been turning out kids, and uh, some go to Monarch, some go to Fairview, and, and some certainly go to Boulder. I know there's a couple 4A programs that are popping up uh, up around there. Holy Family is uh, is going to be a new program up there. They have uh, Twin Peaks is also a new program up there. Jefferson Academy is also uh, uh, a new program up there with Corey Hughes. has got some some talent up there to work with this year. I think they'll, they'll make a little bit of noise uh, in their first few years. But uh, th- with that established youth program, I mean, that's that's the way to get good quick, for sure. Does the coach have to come from in-state most high-profile coaching job opportunity? Do you think it's going to be someone in-state that's going to get it, or do you think they're going to reach outside? Well, it, it, that's a really uh, interesting point, and um, it, it's, it'll be interesting to find out. The Chatfield position was just uh, recently filled uh, with a, uh, a coach from out of state, so who's, who's I think, as we speak, on his way moving out here. So um, th- there certainly is a lot of good coaching talent in the state, but um, if you've driven – anywhere in Colorado in the last uh, six months, you know that people are moving here in droves. So uh, there is some good talent, uh, coaching talent that is coming from out of state as well. So um, you really like someone to be part of the community and kind of know what's going on. But at the same time, uh, there's definitely some talented uh, candidates moving from out of state. But uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen with the uh, the Boulder job. I, uh, I assume they're going to start interviewing for it soon. Rock Canyon, I know there's a bunch of big names that are, that are looking for that uh, position. I think that'll uh, uh, be a really attractive job. I, I'd like to see what they could do with it down there. But that Douglas County, uh, I don't know. If you had to rank Douglas County uh, the top three teams for 2017, Shawnee Mac, where are you at? Wouldn't be on the top of the list. And, and it's because of, uh, of that point. They're, they're a bottom feeder team in that conference, and there's just, you know, they're so off of uh, of the mark right now that it would take – I mean, you'd have to establish yourself there for years to get it back to relevancy in my mind. So you think um, Rock Canyon's fourth or fifth in uh, DOCO? Is that what you're saying? No, not at all. Um, but, no, I, I like that point. I, I agree with Plitnik, and I had heard that – I didn't get the name for the, who the Chatfield guy is, but I think that could be one of the reasons why it's it's taking time. You know, they, pre- they maybe they don't like – 
the candidates they have right now, or they and they want to explore it, you know, to a broader region. But I think there could definitely be a possibility. It used to be even like five years ago, you'd get a guy that kind of knows lacrosse, or a dad, or uh, a football coach, or something like that. But now you're getting these coaches that that have pretty impressive resumes to come in and and really hit the ground running. So I I, I think that's going to be definitely a, a spot to watch, and 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 also what's going on. Uh, uh, out east, I mean, it used to be uh, Regis and and everyone else there, but Legends on the map, Chaparral's on the map, um, Cherokee Trail is is got I think 120 kids in the program now. Uh, Grandview had a phenomenal year uh, last year. I know they they lost some kids, but uh, uh, but Chapel's got them kind of reloaded out there. Um, what, what what do you think? Is it Regis and everyone else, uh, or uh, are they able to steal some good talent to other schools? It, it's always that case, and it's it, you know this is the conversation that I have with families and players all the time because it is kind of like that you know and I don't I usually say it's the top five and everybody else right because it's you always have your top four and then you have your five or six kind of surprises and it will be somebody new um and then it's kind of everyone else kind of dogging it out for the rest unless if you can tell me something else I don't see any big surprises and you know Chaparral's a uh, excuse me a Grandview I think is a perfect example I mean they've been really competitive the past two years and i love what chapel is doing over there from a cultural standpoint right. but still when when you put them pound for pound to a deeper team like a regis cherry creek arapaho you know they're not you know they're not walking away you know of, of that one yeah it, it, it is fun getting behind some of these teams that that really come out of nowhere so to speak and and have a bang up year and, and really make some waves to getting to crack that final four is is uh uh, is super super difficult, and when it does happen, it's it's certainly pretty exciting. But um, I don't know. For my money, I think uh, I don't even know why we're playing a season. I think they should just give Cherry Creek the trophy now. Uh, as long as the coach is over there, don't forget to bring the balls. Um, I think they they really should just cruise. There's no fight left in you, Plantnick. <laughs> uh, but hey, you know Columbine got him on the schedule. I mean, every team needs their you know Southwest Louisiana homecoming game. So I guess we'll uh, Columbine will. Be be that for Creek this year, you know, we'll uh, uh, we'll go there and collect our check and get back on the bus. No, but I think you're like a the the Columbine team that you've built is a is a perfect example. I mean, I'd have to ask a question: what What is the highest that you guys reached in the in the in the in the, in the polls? Um, that, that five. That a, couple, a couple years ago, we made the final four, okay. um, which was super exciting and and, and really tough. But uh, uh, but man, it's 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 really tough to get in there. I mean, you've got those uh, those old school teams that have just been there, and they just uh, keep reloading year after year. It's it's those are impressive programs. Preseason prediction: What's the top four this year? Sean. You have to go with the with the standards. It's it's Regis, I mean, and not in not no in no any no no. I want one to four. Want, want I want one to four. Put here. me on the spot. Just yeah, like that. exactly. No, I mean, obviously you gotta you gotta you gotta go Regis first. So you go Regis, Ooh. you go Regis Creek. Uh, actually, no, Regis Mountain Vista Creek. Whoa, wow. uh, four four spot. I mean, I'm am going to Rapo just because it's a team that I played in and know. Wow, who's going to score for Regis? I know they got uh, they've got like you know thirteen D one commits on defense. Uh, who's going to score for them? This you know, year? you know it was funny because they said that last year when when they graduated their entire attack is who's going to score for for them. And, uh, they seem to have figured it out. Yeah, that Barnes kid wasn't bad. Uh, <laughs> you might want to cover him. That Bolin kid too. He he wasn't bad. Uh, uh, look forward for some big things for those kids in college. Uh, yeah, that that really fast second line midi number eleven. Yeah, <laughs> you might want to cover him too. And Plinick, how about you? I'm interested on this one. 
Um, yeah, I, I, I think uh, everyone's playing for second place this year uh, after after the big bad Bruins. Um, I think uh, I think Vista, um, they're they're kind of in that same position too, where they they. I think uh, their goalie last year was probably the most underrated kid in the state, in my opinion. I thought he was phenomenal. They graduated a couple kids, but they got uh, um, Colin BTB Monroe and uh, Jake the Hulk Frayne down there. I mean, two of the better players in the state. Um, plus, they've got a system there, and, and they've built a, a championship-winning culture down there that uh, that is really starting to take hold. And uh, kudos to them. I think they're, uh, you know, they, they they got bounced out uh, in the semis last year, and I think that just put more uh, fuel to the fire. So I I look for them to make some moves. And um, you know, Logan being back home at Arapahoe is is really uh, uh, really interesting. He's starting to get uh, get the youth going and getting kids from all over, and uh, it's 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 big so it's it's going to take a lot for for a grand view or, or or rock canyon or some of these other teams that are columbine uh, yeah well i don't know i don't know we, we got to reload a little bit uh but but i uh to, to be getting that final four really is uh as is, is a huge uh, uh feather in the cap uh, even uh, even if you don't win state i think what do you think is the difference right and and you know because we talk a lot of things there's numbers there's you know depth is one of those things that you talk about at facilities i mean there there's a list of things obviously recruiting gets a conversation again um but what do you think really separates that because I, I i like i want to know your opinion of just all right there's the top four and then everybody else so what is the what's the difference uh, i mean it's a great question i think you need three things to be successful i think you need to have uh parent support i think you need to have administration support and you have to have athletes you know it does become a numbers game but then you look at uh a school like kent who certainly had a a, a below par season for them last year they don't have a ton of kids but they they've got a bunch of dedicated kids that that just bring it and I think building that championship culture and that expectation to win is is absolutely huge and it's not something you can just manufacture but uh, having kids buy in that having strong leadership from up top I, I think really goes a long way and you look at those schools Perry's been there forever and and Soren's been there forever and you know, Logan, it's it's only his second year, but he's been part of that culture forever. Uh, and, and what uh, Monroe's doing at Vista is is getting them ramped up very, very quickly. Building that championship culture. And, and, and you know, you get a school like, you know, East and Columbine and Grandview. I mean, we're trying to build towards that to where you have that expectation of, you know, nothing less than a Final Four uh, appearance. But it's, it's tough to build, uh, for sure. Culture is big. Vulture is big. Well, yeah. what you know? How are you? Uh, if we could talk about East a little bit with um, one of the top 2019 classes in the state, what are you doing to bring those kids along and and get them that even though they're going to be sophomores this year, uh, I would imagine some of them are going to be leaders on your team. Yeah, no, that's a, a great a great thought, and, and it's the truth. But <clears throat> I, I I guess I'm an old school person in the sense to where it does it, it does start from the top, and you know like. In my mind, you know, you find a guy that's been around for a while, but that's, you know, culture's our biggest thing. And what I kind of started to do with the beginning of the school year, you know, the kids will get back on Tuesday. I've already sat down with, with three of returning players. You know, they all happen to be seniors, excuse me, two seniors and one junior. So I kind of just have those dialogues. And my question is for is like, what do you want? Because I have, I have what I want, right? This is what Coach Mack wants. And I give him my top three and it's right. And they're, they're, they're generic, right? They're you know we respect sure. each other, we work hard, and we're, you know we're disciplined. We buy into what the coaches are, are selling. All right, so those are my big three. You give me your big three, and you don't have to answer me today. Right. But it's just you know like I'm gonna come back to you next week and ask you and, and kind of see what happens. And 
it's interesting because it, it buys into kind of what you're put. Like that's where it starts, right? It is, you know, I have a vision and I have an expectation what, what, what the team and what we can accomplish. And, but I'm not the salesman, right? I, I need to get, I need to get th- those guys to buy in. And before I get everyone to buy in, I need, I need the guys that I know that I can lean on. So I'm starting to kind of a step. That's my biggest thing right now for, for our team is to, is to establish those relationships right now. And there are, there's a couple of them and there's a, actually one gentleman from that 2019 class that's on, on the top of that list to be a potential leader for us, which is actually a surprise, but says something about that young man. And, um, but that's it. Give us a name. Give us a name. Cole Finley Pons. You know, you just, Cole Finley Pons and just, you remember that name. (laughs) You heard it here first. If you've got three names, you better be good. That's all I'm going to say. But what about the, uh, the incoming freshmen? Uh, Now that they've signed their recruiting packages from City Lax, you know, you've got a a couple kids that are getting uh, limo rides from across the state to East or what's going on there? The freshman class is great right now. Uh, you know, right? It's a little bit. How many light. do you have? So it's a little bit lighter. You know, and we don't have a final head count, but right now I got about twenty-one players that 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 it seems to be on it, which is that's good. I mean, that's solid. And if, um, generally, just looking at the trends that we have, I mean, out of the twenty freshmen that that join, usually right, like five or six of those kids will. will end up just kind of going to nowhere because i would sure. say our, our numbers are usually consistently around 60 60 guys so right that you're saying we get about 15 per class um but we we do we got we got some some strong players seeing a lot uh, you know, a lot from denver elite and, and 3d so we have a, a handful of kids from from d elite um a couple 3d kids and some of those kids have been involved also with city lax and or boomtown which is affiliated with city lax in a sense because it's it's uh, you know uh dylan roy and uh ben allison what I love about your program is that you have to have that chip on your shoulder. And, you know, from what I've seen, those guys are proud to have it and uh, definitely represent that that well. I appreciate that. And that's, you know, that again, that goes into my big three. And that's part of like, what, what you know, that's what it's got to be about. And goes right back to what Matt's talking about is creating a culture, you know. And uh, I never want to get myself into trouble, but like, you know, the East, you know, the, the culture of East. Yes, it's in a Denver public schools. Yes, it's in a rough side of town. But predominantly, I mean... The lacrosse program is, you know, entitled kids from from Park Hill, and I'm not saying like their family doesn't teach them the value of of, of working hard, but I think there's a there there was a that's what I, you're for. When I, yeah, exactly. When when I when I first arrived there, there, there's been a sense of entitlement, even you know in my five you know excuse me even my six years as head coach, um, and that's kind of thing is you know it it takes time, you know these things don't happen overnight to kind of break it down, and you know also finding the, finding the right people to to sell the vision. And make it happen, but uh, in all honesty, it feels like you know things are really beginning to turn over. And like 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 you said, like we have the you know the right guys, and we have those kids that 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 are buying into that value of working hard. And you just got new home turf. I see. We didn't know that was going to happen until literally the June of of the, of this year. And uh, yeah, they they just laid it out. It was concrete earlier. Definitely this week. an up and coming uh, team and program. And you know, you guys have been always just you know getting into the playoffs and and showing yourselves. And now I think you're ready to take that next step to get into the into the quarterfinals, the final eight, and then you know in a couple years when these kids start coming through and progressing, you know you'll be knocking on that uh, that final four. I can definitely see you guys there uh, and building that culture. I mean, you guys uh, definitely have your your. Uh, 
your, your wine and cheese kids from Park Hill, but uh, but you also got some uh, thuggets, you know, uh, down there. So I think you've got a pretty good mix. And if you can actually bring that together and, and toughen up the, the, the UVA uh, wine and cheese kids and, and uh, you know, rough some of those, uh, smooth out some of those edges on uh, on the thuggets, I, I think you guys could really, uh, really do something. Will Creek come play you yet? At no, home? Th- that's th- that that one hasn't happened yet. I'm not going to I'm not going to push for that one. Let's put it this way. I am buying a front row ticket for the Wheat Ridge East game this year cuz I think that's going to be WWE style off the top rope uh, kind of action. What day do we got? No, no dates have been set, but th- that's cut. we we have confirmed a, a game with Wheat Ridge, which is great. We, and <laughs> per Matt's point, the last time we played uh Security was called. <laughs> exactly. It is. Uh, it is definitely going to be one. We'll definitely make sure to get the word about uh, out about that. But that'll be uh, an exciting game for uh, for sure. Uh, let's uh, let's kind of take a different uh, direction here. Wanted to talk uh, with Jordo uh, a little bit about uh, something that's trending in the news right now. Uh, proposed rule changes. Um, some of them impactful. Some of them not. Some of them I don't know. Seem to be coming out of a cartoon or something uh, with this uh, two point goals or uh, what's going on with this? That's unbelievable. They're saying uh, that. Granted, this is an experimental rule, right? So read it's not going to happen but uh they're saying yeah two point goals if you uh, get a goal within 30 seconds of uh, gaining possession so everyone loves a fast break <laughs> you get two points uh yeah i mean i don't know how they're going to time that if the refs are going to have a 30 second buzzer or uh, uh I, don't, I don't know what the thought process uh, they're thinking about uh a variety of timing options <laughs> and then they list a one one option by the way this link will be in the show notes coming from ncaa directly they're saying a visible shot clock comma etc <laughs> so yeah a- a- anything that you could could dream up uh, they're, they're considering it i'm sure i mean i i ap- i applaud them for looking at at ways to potentially improve the game uh I mean, Shawnee, you think the college game has just gotten too slow and boring? I mean, that's been kind of a criticism we've been hearing the last couple of years. Well, I, I, I'm not. I don't know how you'd enforce that. I know the original problem with, or the issue with the shot clock, right, was was managing and uh, obviously the getting another official and paying for all that. I it's cost. Wh- that's I got all no, it is. Yeah, they ain't no cost to make an extra two point arc and add a two point line, and I think that's an awesome element in the MLL game. And it opens it up. It, it makes defenses have to respect and extend out a little bit more. So you think MLL has it right that it's got to be a distance thing, not a first thirty seconds of your possession. I, I agree. I, I don't. I don't even know why that's a, that's a consideration. Yeah. And it also uh, slam dunk on a fast break, two points. <laughs> yeah. No. And what's what is what's also ridiculous is just the kind of how the faceoff game has gotten scrutinized a little bit in, in recent years because it's you know obviously it's advantageous for some teams. So I don't know why you would even reward teams that have that even more just i i'm a, definitely an advocate for uh, yeah. you know a trevor two-point tierney line. an extremely smart guy did i think his like master's thesis over at princeton or, or some such incredible university on if the face-off game really does have an effect and he stands by his studies that no indeed it doesn't denver university having trevor baptiste breaking all the records how many times uh, actually doesn't translate into uh, goals. Now, you can uh, take that a- as you may, and I'd, I'd love for uh, Trevor to publish that white paper. Uh, and if he ever does, I'll definitely throw a link out into the show notes, but uh, uh, that's a topic for another time. His stance is no. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't, scoring in the first 30 seconds, I think it'd be absolutely horrendous. I would like to see a two-point line in, in college. I think that would be great. In high school, it would be atrocious because the shooting in high school is god-awful as it is. And if you get kids trying to back up and shoot, um, it, it, coaches would just be having heart attacks on the it's field. A, it's a potential risk for people, someone getting hurt. I, and I, I agree with Matt. But So, I mean, are you, are you agreeing? Because I, I, I think that's completely – manageable and for college and i think it would it would work i, I wouldn't want to see that trickle down to high school just yet but a two-point line as opposed to a 30 second two-point goal i think would make more sense no doubt it would work but uh i love it at the mll level because uh it, it's cool and it's pro but uh I, I i am somewhat defensive about the integrity and the purity of the uh, college game you know uh, when you practice uh, six days out of the week versus uh, half an hour before a game, uh, as in the MLL, uh, that's that's the truth of this sport. You know, I feel that the uh, on the MLL side, you got a bit more of a show there. Well, I I, I don't want to shift gears completely, but here's I, I disagree with you. Sure. <laughs> I think Matt will too, and 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 I do so respectfully, um, but. Uh, another thing is, and I, like no one ever talks about this. Like I, when they changed the rule for the the thirty seconds to touch the box, right? Like I, I was not a fan of that either. I, I think that's another thing that kind of takes the whole element and and excitement out of riding at the college game. Well, you um, think it gives too much of a of a duration for the defense to clear it, and thus uh, uh, you can't ride anymore. Pretty much, yeah. And I think too I, much I, of a slowdown. I think you know, I, I think, think Albany would disagree with you. I, I know. I know. There's a. I know. There's a lot of people that would probably disagree with me. But it, you know, it's it's it slows it down. Guys are people just worry about getting personnel on the field versus you have a, a, an X amount of time to clear the ball and and you gotta make you gotta make it happen. Yeah, twenty. I, I, I was. Uh, it's high school, right? I'm, I like twenty ten. I think. I think it, it makes sense, and it you know it creates turnovers. What happens when the ball gets turned over? Fun lacrosse. Yeah, <laughs> you, you get odd man opportunities and and you and get two to, point goals apparently. Um, yeah, not in high school, please. Uh, enough kids think they're they're Paul Rabel uh, shooting on the run anyway. Uh, uh, that I don't think uh, I don't think we need to uh, promote that. But what's going on with the faceoffs? What are they talking about there? I got no idea what they're talking about on the faceoffs. One of the items that they're considering is the restricted offensive area. Have you heard much about that? No. Essentially, you got two different parts of the offensive area. Once you bring it in an area, you uh, you can't take it back out. So it's essentially like under two minutes uh, in the high school game. Um, I don't know what the thought process is on that. Uh, um. You know, I, I, I in the college game, I don't know why they got away from that. Where if you get a flag down, then you get to take it back out of the box and run around with it there. I think that really slows up the game, and people start subbing and everything, and it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But you know, if if we could just I keep see this the, the, the tempo of the game up. I see this restricted offensive area as just being a, a bit too much of a heady uh, thing, right? How do you introduce a new fan to to, to restricted offensive area? Yeah, yeah, you just say once. This guy gets it in this area. He he can't take it back out. I believe the offensive area is the looks, box. Man. So you're so you're saying that it, are we talking about the box? It's saying an attack area and an extended attack area with an arc in the middle of the field. Oh, so they're they're I think so they're talking about potentially adding on another look <laughs> as if we need it, right? Yeah, we don't need more lines I, I, and more I, confusion. I mean, that'll then we'll be like girls across with all these rules that no one. Uh, the only line that's needed is a. 
half arc, 15 yards up in front of GLA. An item that they're now wanting to roll back is the, uh, instead of a 20-yard substitution area, they're saying, hey, let's go back to 10. I I don't see that happening at all. Um, No, I I don't see that happening. I think, uh, you know, with the bigger uh, box area, it presents more uh, opportunities for for sub, uh, catching guys on subs. Yeah, sure, but they're saying you can get your defenseman on just as easily. I just think it's cleaner for uh, the entire process keeps those coaches away from each other's throats i don't know uh, yeah i, I guess so I, I, you know i don't know that's, that's sometimes it's a fun thing to yeah. see you know you're yeah you're giving the old grill the old sunglass tilt <laughs> five yard substitution box. Old jason Priestley. jordan what's the the new proposal on the uh, on the face-offs as it reads exactly so this is not an experimental one this has actually been passed and it looks like it's just them clarifying their processes they're saying uh They've passed a proposal to modify the officiating mechanic used during face-offs. What have they passed? During the face-off procedure, game officials will center the ball five inches from the middle of the head of each face-off player's stick. It's nothing. No, I, I, they keep trying to tinker with the face-off rules to where they're making it more clear and consistent. More clear, more consistent, but they, I think they want to make it you know, less that you can get a guy that just goes out and dominates. They're trying to make it more 50-50s, which which I guess is kind of good. Too much government intervention. Is that what you see? A little little too much hands-on there? I I mean, it's part of strategy. Like, I have this weapon, and, you know, if a guy can get you the ball 80% of the game, then, you know, that's to your advantage you you have that yeah i mean you know it's always a rule like if you got a great face-off guy you're like ah keep these rules these things are fantastic and when you can't win them you're like come on let's switch it up out here but i i don't know i really i know it's uh it's not a popular stance but if you get scored on you get the ball out on the side i mean and it keeps the action going you don't have all that downtime between you know scoring and face-offs and and uh um then you're really kind of strategizing how to clear the ball, how to get it upfield, and kind of work some fast breaks. I think it'd be kind of interesting if you're trying these fall games for different proposals and different kind of rule changes. I think it'd be something interesting to try for for some of these colleges for these fall tournaments. And if it if it you know doesn't work, it doesn't work. But just a way to try to try to keep the game moving a little bit. Are you watching much of the Olympics? Have you noticed the uh, Have you watched any of the field hockey or any of the soccer? <laughs> Is that a trick question? Of course, I'm all over it. <laughs> have you seen the uh, Have you seen the officiating? Uh, crews with the uh, head units uh, uh the the janet jackson style uh, microphones uh, you got it you got it they uh get to communicate with one another a lot easier that's uh, another uh, uh item that the committee is experimenting with i tell you i would love to have one of those headsets uh that i could talk with the refs there i think that would be fantastic if i could get you know neely and gormley uh you know on headsets and just uh let them know exactly where they could be improving some of their uh their calls i'm sure they'd like to hear from coach tierney too <laughs> yeah i don't think they put the batteries in in their headsets uh, if i had <laughs> one there um want to thank shawnee mack for coming in here today and spending a little time with us appreciate it man it was awesome it was great to be here thanks guys this episode of ripping shots lax cast is brought to you by exaro sports and Scorebreak. Scorebreak provides instant game film breakdown exaro sports allows you to have a platform to get better on your own time so our thanks to Scorebreak and exaro sports check them out online
the balloon's still there and there's a dart hanging out of his leg. <laughs> <laughs> awesome.